This is Victory Christian Fellowship. We are a community focused on loving God and loving others. Tune in each week as Pastor Mark teaches us about God's love and the call on our lives. This is my Bible. It is the standard I live my life by. I am a spirit-filled believer, sustained by my personal relationship with the Lord, empowered by my commitment to community, and expressed throughout reach to others. Therefore, I can say, yes, and, uh, all right, every year I like to take a book of the Bible and kind of study it uh, chapter by chapter, even sometimes verse by verse, depending on the particular book and uh, what we're looking at, and I want to complete the introduction today from where we started last week with the book of Philippians. Isn't it a great book? And, and I've entitled this Philippians, Joy No Matter What. Now, you, I want you to say that, but you have to smile when you say it. Can you do it with me? Joy No Matter What. And if you repeat that over and over, I think some of you will actually get down in your spirit. This is a great book, and I believe very appropriate and applicable for the day that we're in. Now, Paul wrote to this church, and he had actually planted this church probably 10, 12 years prior to him writing this book. It was an already established church, and it was to mature them. How many are just getting born again? You're not mature yet. Matter of fact, none of us in this room are mature enough. I'm I'm talking about me. It's an ongoing process till the Lord return or he takes us home. And he covers a theme throughout this book, and it's something we need, all of us need right now, including myself, and it's called joy. Everybody say joy. Only four chapters, and Paul mentions the word joy or rejoice or a derivative of the word joy 16 times. So I think that's a very clear thing, theme throughout. Here's the irony of this whole thing. He's writing this book about joy from prison. This is where he's writing it from. And this is kind of where we began last week when he started the book, writing to this church. I thank my God. And as I said last week, if I was in that prison, I'd be yelling, help. Oh, come on. Don't look so holy out there. You would too. No, not him. He's, I thank my God every time I remember you. I'd be saying, I thank my God you're going to remember me and come get me out of this place. But no, that's not what he's saying. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with what? Joy. Joy. He's praying from prison with joy. As he's praying, this emotion, this inward stability of joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm confident of this. Now, if you're locked up in prison, and we'll describe that prison a little bit, would your confidence maybe be shaken? Yeah. You know, all the whys and what's and what I do wrong and poor me and and you'd be singing the country song backwards, right? Okay. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is the one whose none of his plans are working out right now. But he's telling them that what God has begun, he's going to continue it. What Paul had was better than happiness. He had joy. He had joy. So last week we just kind of did an introduction 
differences between happiness and joy. Well, happiness is external. It takes something taking place, participating in, receiving, and then you get this feeling of happiness where joy is something internal. What else? Well, happiness is based on circumstances, the circumstance at hand. Joy is based on Christ. Now, happiness, the prefix hap is the Latin word for luck. Luck. Circumstance or circle that I'm standing in. And some people just choose to stay standing in a circle they have no business standing in. Now, we can't help certain things, but you don't have to stand in a circumstance. Are you with me? Okay, so joy is based on Christ. It's first supernatural. He does a work in you. You can't explain it. He changes you from the inside out. The things you used to do, you, don't, you no longer want to do. It's just if you haven't had that experience yet, you need to be born again today. How many have had that experience where he's made all things new? Okay. But also, there are some natural things that we're to do, we're to step forward in, that we're to learn so we can keep advancing and maturing. And that's some of the things that we're going to look at in this series. One more, happiness happens by chance. It's not up to you, it's up to conditions around you where joy happens by choice. It's up to you to understand and cooperate with it and then choose to walk in it. So don't let the things you can't control control you. If you don't remember anything else but that today, it'll help you. Don't let the things you cannot control control you. God wants to give you something much better than happiness. There's another way. It's called joy. Say that word again. So let's move forward. Joy no matter what. And we're going to see some things here from Paul. Paul now dives into the content and offers some truth. So let's just kind of walk through some of these three things I see in chapter 1. He shares why he's joyful in this jail cell. And I'll share with you in a moment, it was not a great place. It wasn't a great place. But he rose up and he was able to do some things like write the Bible. Well, number one, I want to encourage you, if you want to step in the joy, stop asking why. Now, if you're about to do something, you're about to engage in something, you need to know the why. Are you with me? Like which class to go to? Why do I want to go to this particular class on Wednesday? Why? Because I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So going forward, why is a good question. But after the fact, after the situation, do not get bogged down in the why. Are you with me? And it's so tempting. We would like to get into the middle of that situation and say, why, God? And stop. Here's the deal. You can die, endlessly stay and die in your whys. And as long as you stay in your whys, you're never going to find a solution. You get stuck in that. Let, let me say it this way, okay? Look at this. You have to get over the distraction of what actually happened. Some of you need to get that. Some of you have been through some painful things. Some of you are going through some painful things right now. 
Some of you, there's confusion, you know, over this virus and this, that, and the other. Those watching online, just what step to take, where, why, why God, why? You have to get over the distraction of what has actually happened. Far too many, they just stop right at the why. Stuck, don't know what to do, trying to figure it out. Was it me? Was I bad? Was I born in the wrong time of history? And da-da-da-da-da, on and on. But you found out there's, there's not a lot of answers for every situation. You have to trust and rest. If you have to know why, truth be known, are you ready? We live on an earth where God has never promised that this place that you and I live in will be circumstantially perfect. He's never promised that. Okay? By the way, that's a huge myth about God. Like he's obligated himself to make your life picture perfect so you can tiptoe through the tulips and pick roses around your white picket fence and never have an issue. Or a thorn. Yeah, how about that? Well, let me show you what he promised. Are you ready to see what he promised? I have told you these things. And I give you a secret so you can... Have peace. I've told, I'm going to tell you this. Here's Jesus speaking to us. I told you these things so that in me you may have So where do we need to stay? In him. I told you these things so that in me you have peace. In this world, you're going to... I'm going to skip that part. What are you going to have? Now, I've never walked in one of your homes and saw this typed up as a promise on your refrigerator. In me, you have peace, but in this world, you're going to have a lot of trouble. We, we don't like that. We don't want that. But that's a promise. One of his promises, you're going to have some trouble. But, everybody say but. Take heart. Come on. Come on. Let's mature. Let's grow. Let's stretch our faith. Let's, let's go beyond ourselves. Take heart, I have overcome the world. And as he's overcome the world, we overcome the world if he's in us. Amen? We have a direction. Paul knew that. He knew no matter what happened to him, there was always a way of escape. There was always going to be a direction. I love that scripture in 2 Corinthians. There's no temptation taking you, such as common to man. So man faces this. But God is faithful, and he'll not let you be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of that you may be able to bear it. So trouble comes, it happens, but don't stay in that circumstance. Don't get into the why. I got to talk to one of our precious ladies last Sunday after church, and she was saying, Mark, when I was in college, one of our overseas trip, and I might butcher this a little bit, but it's when she was in college, and they were touring Rome. And so, of course, you know, they've got all the sales pitch and things that you face. So she was able to go see what supposedly maybe would have been where Paul was in prison. No one actually knows for sure. And I said, tell me, tell me what it was like. She said, dark, you had to go down very, very little light, water dripping from the ceiling, damp, wet stone walls. This is one I didn't like. You could not stand up. Think about that. For months, years, you cannot stand up 
straight. It was hot outside, but it was a chill, damp feel in the room. Well, you and I could do We could handle that for an hour or two, maybe a day. Come on. How about month after month? I, mean, I think sometimes we read the Bible and we think it's just these poetic words that there were no issues or trouble that the writer was going through. Paul went through much, much. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What an attitude. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me. So bad things happen to me. Well, you know what? They might even kill me tomorrow, by the way. I, I forgot about that. And I'm in this stinking dark jail, stale air, chained to a guard, by the way. Wow. But it, you know what? It, it's actually served to advance the gospel. Now, our current situation... Are we using it to advance the gospel? If we're not, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. I think we all can do something. Even if there's health concerns or whatever, we're not asking you to violate that. But there's something all of us can be doing. In the middle of that, he just refused to ask why. He didn't do it. He said, hey, this is okay. The gospel is advancing. And I get asked the question often, Pastor Mark, why, why, why? Now you're afraid to ask me that after church, right? Okay, why? Well, look, I have my own set of whys, and you know, I've decided I'm just going to shelve them to eternity. Come on. Just put it out there on the shelf, wait to eternity. I hope there is a question and answer session in heaven. That's going to be a long session, right? Very long. Even if it's not dealing with your bad days or your bad seasons, I mean, just think of the questions. Hey, what was the first fruit in the garden that Adam and Eve partook of? I probably was about 11 or 12 before I realized it wasn't an apple. You know, in Sunday school, it's always an apple. I finally realized it wasn't an apple. Did Adam and Eve have a belly button? Have you ever wondered about that? And then get to heaven, I, I want to get up to Noah you know, he, he built that ark, took about 120 years. And I'm going to say, Noah, when you had a chance, why didn't you kill those two mosquitoes, right? Come on. I meant, yesterday I was cleaning something out, and these mosquitoes came up, and I'm swatting at them, and I'm thinking, ooh, he missed a chance. My point, be careful. Don't get stuck today and your future limiting you because of the whys, living in some type of regret. Instead of this, start asking, what? Everybody say, what? Come on. Start asking, what? Lord, what are you doing right now? What's on your heart and your agenda right now? What purpose of eternal value and worth is coming forth? What is my part? What am I to do today, tomorrow? Who am I supposed to help? What are you up to? What, what are you trying to teach me? Important, get this, that question, listen, the, that question, what, is where the joy channel is. That's where the joy starts flowing. 
because it requires now steps of obedience and faith from you. Listen, this is not a time to be an armchair quarterback and just critique the world and critique others and cross your arms. If you do that, we need to repent and we need to say, Lord, what am I supposed to do right now? Who am I supposed to help? What am I to do tomorrow? What phone call should I make? Who should I bring a meal to? Who should I go witness to? Somebody help me out. Come on. Yeah. It's a question. And that's where you begin to discover great things about God. You begin to realize that God is up to something powerful that may be different from your plans you have. And some of us who like to plan everything out, I'm one of them. Come on. Yes, she admits it. All of a sudden, it's all out of whack. It's all out of whack. Do I get into the why or do I say, what is it God's up to in this moment? In fact, do you want to know what God was up to with Apostle Paul? Well, he ends up writing the book we're studying right now. Because he did not get into the whys, but rather, what should I do? He wasn't preaching out in front of people. He's just sharing to a church what they need. He ends up writing a bunch of, of the Bible because he's locked up in prison, chained to a, a guard. You have the book of Philippians because his plans did not work out. Aren't you glad? Yep. So what will people have from you and I because our plans are not working out right now? He wrote a lot of letters. Today, that's what our Bible is because he did not get to do what he thought he was going to do. He did not get to do what he really thought God wanted him to do. He really thought he would be preaching to masses. He did not get to do that during this time frame. What happened? Well, he discovered the new opportunity. You have a new opportunity. Are you here today? Everybody say, I have a new opportunity. In every one of your bad days or bad seasons or bad year, there are new opportunities. And when you discover it, you unearth joy and gold and value and significance, things that are of eternal purpose, things that will outlive and last you. Amen? Philippians 1, we're still in chapter 1. So look at this. As a result, as a result of me being locked up down in this jail, you know what I did with that new opportunity? It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else, that's everyone out, everyone in, that I am changed for Christ. And because of my chains, he's chained to a guard. Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. Those out there in the church, it's given them boldness and strength and help and a, a, a voice to be heard. They've become confident in the Lord and dare all of the more to proclaim the gospel. How? Without what? Without what? What do you have today? Joy. <laughs> Good answer. Confidence or fear? And, I, and, and please, if you're dealing with fear, th this is not to put any of us down. Please, I'm trying to encourage you, get out of that circle. Get out of that circumstance. God's going to take care of you. 
Get out of it. There's something you can do with, a, with confidence. Wow. Well, I didn't get to preach out and open. I'll just preach to the guy I'm chained to and all those in earshot and words getting out to all the people out in the church. Now the whole palace guard knows about Jesus. He found joy. He found direction. He found a mission, an obligation. He couldn't step out of the circumstance of jail, so he stepped into the task at hand and what he could do. Paul goes on and he says this. Whoops, wrong. Yep, I got it all. Got it all. All right, good deal. He found purpose and joy in the situation. Everyone is hearing about me witnessing. Everyone is hearing me. I'm writing. I'm doing this. And he's just, can I use the word? He's almost content. He's almost content. And I'll show you that towards the end of the message. What a great attitude. That's taking the current situation and making it good. What? Everybody say what? I heard this story years ago. Pulled it back up. But about a king in a foreign land years and years ago. And he had an assistant, an associate. They did everything with him. And they used to like to hunt game and kill game and shoot and so forth. So um, they were out on a hunting expedition. And the friend would load the, the weapon, the rifle, and do all that for the king before the king would shoot the gun, which the friend did. But the gun backfired, misfired, whatever we call it, and it blew off the king's thumb. Well, the friend, the associate, just a great guy with a great attitude, he would always respond to any situation, anything going on, he would say, this is good. Try that with me. This is good. So when the king's thumb got blown off, and he's trying to figure out what to do is say, the guy says, to which the king says, no, this is not good, and threw him in jail. Okay, a year later, the king is back hunting, doing what he liked to do, and he's captured by cannibals. They've tied him to a stake. They're about to cook him and eat him when they notice he was missing a thumb. Very superstitious. They didn't want to eat anything that wouldn't hold. <laughs> so they turned him loose, let him go, to which then the king thought, man, I need to go get my friend out of jail been in there for a year, and he goes and he apologized and, uh, you know, gets him out, and the friend says, and the king said, how can you think this is good? You've been in jail a year and so forth, and he said, well, if I hadn't been in jail, I would have been with you. <laughs> That's finding something good in every situation, but you know what? Really, in all seriousness, I think Paul lived like that. And it was a um, fake mentality. What do you call the person who everything is wonderful all the time? Pollyanna, is that it? It's not that. <clears throat> he just knew who he was. Do you know who you are? A mature disciple say in the middle of something difficult, there's something good. There's something different that can take place. 
Now, I'm going to bring up a scripture we use all the time, self-included, but I want you to think about it, okay? Romans 8, 28. Isn't that one of your favorite? Okay. And we know. Stop right there. Do you know this? Or is this your default prayer when something isn't going your way? Is it something you just say, well, I don't like this because I've got right. I can just, I can just see Paul saying, I know. I just know this stinking situation I'm in, literally, in all these things. God works for the good of those who, what? There's the key. Got to love him. Who have been called according to what? His purpose. Do you know that? Do you know that? If you truly, truly know that, you can walk out of here with a confidence, with an assurance, with a hope, with a desire, with joy, no matter what, going to the workplace, school, family situations, helping someone, you can approach it much different than those that are bound by their circumstance. Then Paul takes you to the last thing I want us to look at in chapter 1, and this is really an art form you've got to develop. This is something you have to work on. You do have to learn this one. Actually, in chapter 4, verse 11, <clears throat> I read this last week. He said, I have learned. Okay? So Paul had to learn. If he had to learn, guess who else needs to learn? Me. All of us. Well, I'm, I'm going to stop asking why all this is going on. I'm going to start asking what, and then I have to change what I look at, okay? Here we go. Refocus on what really matters. Now, all this is on the back of your bulletin, or if you have our app, you can download the notes. Be sure to do that. Let's answer that question for a moment. You know, a lot of things matter to us right now, correct? You know, I'm, I'm hearing ladies talk, man, at the store, you can't find this and this and that. That's true. I understand. A lot of things matter. Mask or no mask. and do, do, do. Look, I'm not going to be a mask policeman. I'm going to preach the gospel. I want to encourage you in Christ whether they have a mask on or not. We're gonna, come, you see what I'm saying? It, it's what really matters. In the light of eternity, there's only a few things that really, really matter. If you ever talk to someone who's on the edge of death, which I've had, I'm going to say, the privilege to be with many a person as they're crossing from this earthly life into eternity, it's striking to hear what's really important. It's really important. It's amazing what they're thinking about or what they're talking about. Only a few things really matter. I've never had one of those people say, you know, I, I just wish I had a little bit longer to clean out my closet. If I could just balance my checkbook one more time. No. What are the, what's important? Family. Healing any relationship that's broken. Relationships. It's called people. People. It's amazing what really matters. I had the privilege, I've talked about it before, but when one of our overseers, Billy Hornsby, was uh, uh, really ill and would be passing away. 
weeks after I went and saw him, but people flew in from around the world to go spend some time with him. And, you know, I just, and he just was so excited when we would come into the room and what the relationship meant and re- remembering this and that. And we want to pray for him. No, he wants to pray for us. He wants to lay hands on us and bless us. I learned some things that day. So Paul shared, you want to know the secret for overcoming a bad day, a bad season? How about a bad year? You have to refocus and put your eyes and heart on what's truly valuable. So here's where he goes next in the text. Trying to set the stage before we read this. He's getting ready to address an issue that's been come to his attention through some letters he had received. You know, where he had planted this church... It had grown, more believers had now come in, and so the Christian community was expanding. How many know that's a good thing? But with that, you get all kind of different flavors, different approaches. Today, it's called denominations, you know, or different styles, different singing styles, and this, that, and the other, all all that type of stuff. And probably some of the letters Paul received were trying to get him upset And you know what he did? He just refused. He refused. And right now, what you focus on, if you're not focusing more on the Word of God and your prayer time and your worship time and your loving Him and people time more, you're going to focus on the wrong thing. Negative news, news agendas, Are you with me? And that becomes what you focus on, and that becomes your circle, where you stand. I remember as a child, I spent the night with one of my friends. We grew up together from kindergarten through high school. When mom died, he made sure, and he came and found me, you know, spent some time with me. Great guy. We were about 10 or 11, and we're at his house in a little town where I grew up, and he had one theater and he said, hey, a bunch of us going. I said, sure, I'm spending the night at your house. I got to go. Now, I've never liked horror movies. I, I don't like that. Maybe you do. I never did. It was just a Vincent Price movie, which that was kind of not too bad, but still scary. You know what I'm talking about? I hated that thing. I had bad dreams for weeks. I could picture that character in my dream. I Actually, one time in my dream, I could actually see him opening the door coming in. Because I exposed my thinking to the wrong thing. To the, I, I focused on the wrong thing. The wrong thing. And if you ingest too much horror right now, come on, because there's horror out there. And you need the wisdom of God to know what truth is. You need it. It will paralyze your faith and it will rob your joy. And what people need to see from your life when you walk in your presence, your countenance, it needs to radiate joy. Joy, okay? So listen to how Paul handled this bad news. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. It is true. Now he's responding probably to letters he got. True that some preach Christ out of envy and rival, rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Well, the latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ 
out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. In other words, there's nothing I can do about this situation. Now, let me, let me go. I want to show you something real fast. Here's my famous word. No big deal. Everybody say this. Or MBD. Yeah, not, not NFL, but MBD. Just, I use that often. No big, no big deal. MBD. So remember that. So he's talking about this situation. And then I love what he says next. He says, but what does it matter? Or how about this? This is good. <laughs> what does it matter? What approach? What does it matter? What does it really matter? The important thing is that in every way, this way, that way, up, down, back, this song, that song, all that, every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is what? Words getting out. People are getting saved. They might do a little different over here, this over here, that going on, but people are getting saved. Not only that, I'm going to rejoice. So you're trying to get me upset. You're trying to get my blood pressure to go up because of some issues. No, I'm going to refocus. I'm going to refocus. Christ is being preached. This is good. Not only that, I will continue to rejoice. What a man. Wow. He decided you're not going to get me all weighed down with all of that. I'm going to stay focused. Question. What is the consistency of your focus right now? Do you run to the news first thing in the morning? This, that, and the other. And I'm not saying that's evil. Please understand my heart. I just want you healthy. And healthy is not just avoiding a virus. Healthy is where your spirit man is stronger than anything else. Sure, I want everybody, well, we pray for that. We pray over the environment here and your workplace and those watching and over schools and so forth, a healthy environment. But Paul says, I'm just so glad Christ is being preached. I love that. He decided to rejoice and guard his heart and his attitude. Now, most of you all know that I'm from Louisiana. Just loving great people down there, such a variety of people and a variety of styles of people. When I was young, they still had a lot of the Canadian French people in our area. Most of them have now died, but they were referred to as Cajun. That, that just a common phrase, lovely people. And so when I was a young boy, um, one of my friends, his grandmother, she was, and they're very outspoken, okay? You knew right where you would stand. And if you were complaining or whining by her, she'd go, kissy baby, you want a passy for that? You want a passy? Kissy baby. <laughs> her goal was to get you to quit whining and start laughing. And once she got you laughing, she'd go, forget about it. You got the world by the tail. She had such insight. Okay, you're whining and you're complaining. You need to realize You've got the world by the tail. So try it with me. you got the world by the tail. You can't say it with a Cajun accent, but it's all right, okay. Oh, wow. 
Some of you need to practice that this week. You really do. Listen, at the end of the day, the year, life journey, only a few things really matter. Really do. Mess Chris, Brother Chris Bernard, come on up. You know, I understand bad days plagued Paul. This was not his only prison, okay? His life was like this all the time. Paul just decided to have a different attitude, and I'm praying that for all of us. He'd get out of jail, he'd go right back to preaching, correct? And they'd say, we're going to put you in jail again. We're going to lock, lock you up. He'd say, oh, good, I wasn't finished with that book. I need to, I need to go finish. I was this close to getting this guy saved here. Would you? Okay, wow. I mean, what do you say to a guy like that? You can't get his goat. You've heard that expression? We're going to kill you. Great. Man, I'm in this dilemma. I stay in this dilemma. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Oh, come on. Some of you, if you just cough one time, you, you freak out thinking you've, i got the disease. <laughs> Can we laugh a little bit today? I mean, come on, we need to know to live is what? Christ. If we die, my goodness. He's like, you know, I can't decide which one's better. If I stay, I get to minister. If I die, I get to be with Jesus. Well, what do you do with a person like that? Absolutely nothing. There's no circumstance that can change that. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And he's saying, because I know Jesus, there's no way I can lose. Just no way. No way. No way I can lose. I want you to see another scripture. It's so good that ties in with this. 2 Timothy 4.18. This is a win-win thing. Please see this. You might write this down. It should be on the back of your bulletin. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Tim, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Remember the three Hebrew boys, the fiery furnace? Our God, he will deliver us. But if not, we're still not going to bow. Look at this. The Lord, he's, he's able to rescue me from this. And, but he's also able to bring me safely to heaven. Sure, this applies right now where we are as a nation, as a people. This applies to your whole life. What do we focus on? What really matters? Have you settled that? When you know Christ... I don't mean up here. Sure, we need to learn some things, but you know him. You are in a win-win situation. Come hell or high water, come this or that, you're going to win. We'll continue studying Philippians next week. Let's stand. Just bow your heads for a few moments. You're here today or you're watching online and maybe you don't know Jesus down in your heart. It's hard to have a win-win situation when 
you're handling it yourself. The most important decision of your life is where you surrender control and you admit you're lost, you're a sinner, and you need to be born again. And when you do that, it is a win-win. I mean, we give Jesus our filth, our sin. He gives us his cloak of righteousness. We give him our certain death and gloom. He gives us the promise of eternity. I bet for you and I, it's a win-win. And if that does not characterize your relationship and there's some type of barrier, again, it's called sin. It's called separation. Ephesians talks about sin being a barrier between you and God. And Jesus came to destroy it. He made a way for it to be destroyed through his blood, through his broken body. That's why we have communion periodically to remember what he did. And you would like to experience that today. You would like to say, you know what? I truly need to be born again. I know about God intellectually. I know about Jesus theoretically, but I've not allowed him first place in my life, in my heart. And you want that today. No one looking around, not going to make you come forward, but just raise your hand and I'll know you're here. If that's you, you need Jesus in that capacity. Please do not leave without experiencing him in that way. Okay, who else? Yes. Yes, okay, wonderful. We're going to pray in a moment. Let me ask this before we pray together with that individual. Who would say, Mark, um, I need to work on this joy factor some. I need to allow joy to just sweep in me and overtake me where I have joy no matter what. I'm not asking why all the time. I'm going to say, what am I to do? I'm going to refocus my attention in the right way. And you'd say, right, you're just in a struggle with that right now. No condemnation. We all have faced it. If that's you and you want that prayer as well, let me see your hand. Okay, great. Awesome. So many of us. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I want us to pray out loud together. The Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So we're going to do that in, in agreement. And even if you didn't raise your hand, it doesn't matter. If you know that you're lost, pray this sincerely and let God begin that work in you. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I acknowledge you are the only way to a holy God. You made the way through your sacrifice, your death, your burial, your resurrection. I acknowledge that, that it's the only way. And I declare today, I receive you in my heart, I acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. I declare right now, I am born again by my belief and by my confession. Jesus is Lord. In his name I pray, amen. Come on, let's rejoice with angels right now for that. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to lead us in a prayer for joy. Can't say that word without smiling. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for this wonderful book, the whole Bible, but especially right now, the book of Philippians. Thank you. We can have joy no matter what. I'm going to see the purpose you have for me. I'm going to be the answer for someone in need. Use me, Lord, in a powerful way. 
Keep me safe. Keep my family safe. Touch those needing healing. And I thank you, Lord. We will give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor in Jesus' name. Come on, let's rejoice one more time. Yeah.